This is KMTT, and this is Ezra Beck, and we're back for another week of the Shurim and KMTT. Today is Monday, and today is Tu Bishvat. We will discuss the actual halachic significance of Tu Bishvat in the Halachayumit after this year. I can't help mentioning how Tu Bishvat brings back memories. When I was a child, the Minag of eating fruits, dried fruits, on Tu B'Shvat was basically celebrated by eating a fruit called boxer. I'm imagining that that was the only dried fruit available in Russia, and it was carried on even when I was a child in America. Boxer is dried carob, charub in Hebrew, and being dried, very dried, it had the consistency of wood. You could break your teeth trying to, trying to eat it, and more or less tasted the same. I can't imagine anyone ever eating it willingly. We ate it on Tu B'Shvat because we thought that was the Minhag. I've eaten fresh charuv, fresh carb, since I'm in Israel. It has a somewhat softer consistency and the flavor is only slightly better. I've never heard of anybody eating it as a snack. It is, the tree is found wild in Israel. It is an actually genuine Israeli, Israeli fruit tree, native to Israel which I guess is one reason why one should eat it on, tish- on, on Tu B'Shvat. Although more or less today, with the abundance of dried fruit, people have switched to dried apricots, apples, pears, and nuts, and even dried pineapple, which is not exactly typical Israeli fruit. I'll be back after the shir to discuss the, the true halachic significance of Tu B'Shvat. Today's shir is the shir of Rav Yair Khan in Hilchot Brachot. The shir is 32 minutes. After which I will be back. In the previous shurim, we discussed the bracha that one makes on the five grains of wheat, chameshes minei dagan. We discussed the bracha of hamotzi lechem in if one takes those grains of wheat and makes bread out of it. We discussed the bracha of borei minei mizonot. We discussed the bracha of alhamichya, which is the bracha achrona, the bracha after eating uh, those five grains of wheat. We're going now to take a shift and discuss the bracha that one makes over fruits and vegetables. The Mishnah 35a, Daf Lamed Heimer Aleph in Brachos says as follows. Kate Samavarchem Ala Perot. How does one make a bracha on Perot on fruit? Al Perot Ta'ilan on fruit of trees who Omer Bari Priya ate. He makes Bari Priya ate with the exception of one. Val Perot Ta'aret on fruit of the ground or what we call vegetables who Omer Bari Priya Adama. The bracha that he makes is Bari Priya Adama, Chutzman Apat with the exception of pot which is made out of wheat, even though wheat is technically a fruit of the ground, it's a vegetable, nevertheless, on bread, one will make a motzi lechem min ha'aretz. And then the Mishnah continues, al ha'irakot, and on greens, such as lettuce, who omer bari piyadama, on that also one makes a bari piyadama, Rabbi Yehuda omer bari minidishayim, while Rabbi Yehuda uh, initiated a, an additional bracha, which distinguishes between vegetables and between greens, such as lettuce, and he says that on greens one makes a bracha bore minei deshaim. There are many cases where even though one eats a fruit, either a fruit of a tree or a vegetable, there is a question as to exactly what bracha he will make. For instance, the Gemara discusses the question of meiterot. What bracha does one make when one drinks the uh, juices that come out of fruit. That's the Gemara on that Lamed Chet Aleph 38a. Uh, similarly, the Gemara discusses a case of 
of applesauce. If one takes a fruit or one takes a vegetable and smashes it up, what bracha does he make on that case? That's also Gemara in 38a, and that's known as the case of trima. Uh, there's another question. What bracha does one make, <coughs> excuse me, if one cooks the fruit? Uh, bishel. Does one make a birchos hapri, bari and bari if one cooks the fruit? We're going to begin with the sugya that discusses cooking the fruit. That's the Gemara and that Lamed Ches Medbeis, that's 38b in Brachos. The Gemara says as follows. The Mishnah says, Al Yerakos Omer Bari Apat. On vegetables, one makes a Bari aside from Pat. So the Gemara makes a diuk, Ketani Yerakot, Dumi the Pat. When it talks about vegetables, it's similar to the case of bread. Ma Pat Shemishtana Aidei Ha'ur. Just like pot is when one takes a vegetable, the wheat, and one changes it through the process of cooking or baking, so too if one would take a different vegetable and change it through cooking or baking, the bracha would remain bari priyadama. After all, the Mishnah says, on all vegetables one makes a bari priyadama, except for the case of bread, the indication being that just like by bread one takes wheat and bakes it, the bracha changes in that case to baripiyadama, so too in a similar case, in a parallel case. If one took a vegetable and baked it or cooked it, the bracha would remain baripiyadama. And then the Gemara has an entire discussion as to whether or not cooking changes the bracha. In order to appreciate the issue that's being discussed by this Gemara, I want to focus on one specific section. The Gemara says as follows. This question of whether or not cooking changes the bracha of Perot is taloi, is based on a machlokes among the Amorayim. The Tanya, we have a brighter. Yotzin berakik hasharoi uvushal. Shaloni moach, diver Rabbi Meir. Rabbi Meir is of the opinion that regarding matzah and pesah, one could take a piece of matzah, and he can cook it, and as long as it hasn't disintegrated and dissolved, one can be yotze, the mitzvah of matzah. Rabbi Yossi Omer, yotzin baraki kasharot. If one took a piece of matzah, and he soaked it in water so that it becomes soft, then one is yotze, then one fulfills his obligation. Aval lo However, if one cooked the matzah, even though it did not disintegrate, then one is not yotze the mitzvah. Then the Gemara continues and says, Velohi, it's not right. It's not true. There's no comparison. Everybody agrees that on cooked vegetables, one can make a bari priyadama. And the only reason that Abiyosi argued and said that one cannot fulfill the mitzvah of matzah with cooked bread is because we need ta'am matzah v'leka. We need the taste of matzah. And if one took the matzah and cooked it, then it lacks that taste. The obvious question is, what is the comparison between the issue of brachos, which relates to fruit or vegetables, and the question of matzah and pesach, 
Regarding our matzah and Pesach, we want to know whether it's matzah that you can fulfill the mitzvah with, or you can't fulfill the mitzvah with it. Is it matzah? Is it not matzah? We're not asking what bracha do you make, but rather we're asking only one question, and one question only. Is this matzah which the Torah referred to? On the other hand, when we talk about the question of bracha and peros, it's an it's 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 isolated question regarding brachos, and it can't be expanded to the question of matzah. What does one have to do with the other? In addition, there's another question that one can ask, and that has to do with the response of the Gemara. The Gemara responds that really the truth is that on matzah, everybody agrees that even though it was cooked, nevertheless the bracha would remain in the parallel case of proof. However, over here, the issue is a separate issue. The issue is whether one needs ta'amatzah or one does not need ta'amatzah. If one cooked the matzah, then one is not, does not fulfill his mitzvah, according to Rabbi Yossi, because ba'inan ta'amatzah we need matzah not only that is matzah, but also has the taste of matzah. And if it went through the process of cooking, it no longer has the taste of matzah. This Gemara is rather curious. Because we have another Gemara in Sachin that discusses the question of Ta'an Matzah, but seems to come to an opposite conclusion. The Gemara in Sachin, that Kuf Tezvavon Beis, says as follows. Amarav, Bala Matzah Yatsa, Bala Maror Lo Yatsa. If one swallowed Matzah without chewing it, then he nevertheless fulfilled his mitzvah. Bala Maror Lo Yatsa. But if one swallowed Maror, he did not fulfill his obligation. The Rashbam explains the difference between matzah and maror, and he says as follows, Bala matzah asa. If he swallowed the matzah and he didn't chew it, then he was also the mitzvah, sharei achila hilo. Because this is considered, this is defined as eating. Miu lechatchila ta'am matzah be'inan. However, lechatchila, primarily, lechatchila, he should also have the ta'am of matzah. He should also have the taste of matzah. Bala maror lo yatzah, However, if he swallowed maror and he didn't taste it, even though he ate it, you're not yotzah, you didn't fulfill your obligation. Because you need the taste of maror in your mouth, since the entire mitzvah of maror comes to remember that the mitzvah the Egyptians made our lives bitter, therefore, without the time of the maror, you're not yotzah. So here the Gemara says explicitly that regarding matzah, you do not need the time of matzah. However, we saw that the Gemara on, in Brachos says that regarding Rab, Chita of Rabbi Yosei, that if you take matzah and you cook it, you're not Yosei. The Ta'am matzah ba'in and v'leka, since you do need the Ta'am of matzah. So it seems to be that we have a stira, a machlokes, or a stira, a contradiction between t- these two different subjects. So unless we assume that the Gemara in Brachos is only Rabbi Yosei, and Rameir is cholik and says that you don't need the Ta'am of Morah, while the Gemara in Psachim is going only according to the Shita of Rabbi Meir, we, have, we seem to have a contradiction between these two different circuits. It seems to me that one could suggest the following. Regarding the question of whether one has to actually taste the matzah or not taste the matzah, one does not have to take, taste the matzah. If one is, eats matzah that has a taste, however one swallowed it instead of chewing it, one is Yotze the Mitzvah of Matzah. But if I ask myself a different question, what kind of Matzah does one have to eat? The answer is that one has to eat Matzah which has taste. 
the chefza of matzah has to be one that has taste. In order to explain this point, let me uh, take a parallel din that uh, we can we can use to explain this particular point. There's a din that's called kol haroi lebila ein bila ma'akevis kol she'ein haroi lebila bila ma'akevis. In other words, if the, the, the din is referring to a case of menachos, menachos is supposed to be bolel, you're supposed to mix together the oil and the and, 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 and the wheat, and you need belila. In order to have belila, if you have, you need a, a, a clear of a certain size, because you have a certain shear, a certain amount of of uh, wheat that you need, and you have to have a certain amount of shemen, and if the clear will be too small, and you would mix it, some of it would fall out of the clear. And then the mincha would be chaser, it would be missing part of the shear, and it would be possible. And therefore, the, you can only do belila, you can only mix it well together, if you have a cleave of a certain size that allows you to mix it without part of the wheat or part of the, uh, of the oil spilling or, or pouring out of the cleave. The Gemara says that kala ra'ilabila, if the cleave is big enough so that you're able to mix it, then the mincha is kasha, whether you do mix it or you don't mix it. However, if you put it in the kli that does not lend itself to mixing, the kli does not lend itself to mixing, the kli is not big enough, and if you would mix it, some would spill it out, then if you don't mix it, then the mincha is possible. It seems to be contradictory. If you don't need mixing, if mixing is only required, then why do I need a cleave that lends itself to mixing? Apparently, even though the Torah held that mixing is not ma'akev, you don't necessarily need to mix the oil and the, and, and the dough and oil and the, and the wheat. Nevertheless, the mincha at least has to lend itself to the possibility of bringing the mincha in its most, in, in, in its most uh, favorable state. Therefore, the kli, the kli shares, the kli, which has to be makadish the mincha, has to be a kli, which at least lends itself to the possibility of mixing it. Otherwise, this is not a kli that can be makadish, that can sanctify this particular mincha. In other words, we might not need that the, the most favorable state is actualized, but we do need that the potential for those most favorable, most favorable conditions does exist. And therefore, if we don't have a kli that lends itself to the possibility of belila, then we don't even have the potential of having a mincha in its most favorable state in, on, under primary conditions. And therefore, it's possible. On the other hand, if you have, if the favorable, if you have the potential to have those fav- most favorable, most favorable conditions, then it doesn't make a difference. It does make a difference, but but it's not ma'aki. It doesn't passel if you don't meet those conditions. In the case of matzah, even the Rashbam admits that lechatchila we need the tam of matzah. That the mitzvah is mekuyam better if we actually taste the matzah. However, if we don't taste the matzah, if we swallow the matzah, then bidi ebed we are yotze. And therefore the chefza of the matzah has to lend itself to the possibility of tasting. On the other hand, if a matzah doesn't even lend itself to the possibility of tasting, that's matzah which is puzzle for the mitzvah of matzah. Therefore, regarding the sugya in Psachim, 
the Gemara talks about a case where we have matzah that potentially can be tasty. However, instead of chewing and tasting the matzah, I decided to swallow it. Such a matzah is matzah which is kshera, and I was yotze, I fulfilled the mitzvah vidi eved, I didn't fulfill the mitzvah lichatchila in its most favorable, uh, in most favorable conditions. However, I was yotze the mitzvah vidi eved. But in our, in our case, we have a matzah which doesn't even lend itself to being tasty. If I would take the matzah and cook it, and then I would chew on it, I would not taste the taste of matzah. And therefore, this chefza is something which is possible for the midst of matzah, not because I didn't taste it, but because it doesn't have the taste of matzah. It's matzah which lacks the taste of matzah. That, Rav Yossi says, is possible, and that does not necessarily con- contradict the issue discussed in Pesachim, that one actually ha- that one does not actually have to taste the matzah, but it's efficient if one has matzah that it has taste and can be tasted. Returning now to the issue of cooking fruit or cooking vegetables. Basically what we have seen is that the Gemara in Brachos is discussing what is the chefza of matzah that one can use in order to fulfill his obligation. And there you have a machot between Rameir and Rabiosi whether or not matzah that lacks the taste of matzah can be a chefza of matzah that one can be one can use to fulfill the mitzvah. In other words, when the Gemara thought that the machlokis between Rameir and Yosef was one of cooking, one the Gemara was suggesting that cooking basically changes the status of object. Before I cooked it, after, when I took the, the wheat and I baked it and made matzah out of it, this is matzah. When I cook it, it has become something else. It has changed its status. That's the machlokis of Rameir and Yosef. Rameir says it's it's still matzah. Rabbi Yossi says it's no longer matzah. The Gemara said, no, Rabbi Yossi agrees that it's matzah. However, it's matzah that lacks taste, and therefore it's possible. But what did the Gemara initially think? The Gemara thought that cooking is a process whereby the chayfet that went through this process of cooking has changed its status. It's no longer the same thing. Therefore, if one takes a fruit and cooks it, it's no longer a fruit. It has become some other food item. If one takes a vegetable and cooks it, it is no longer a vegetable. It has become something else. In other words, what the Gemara is saying over here, that even though something once was a fruit, once was a vegetable, if this fruit or vegetable undergoes a process whereby it loses its shame pre, then it would also lose the berchos aperos. And the question is, does cooking, where the fruit or vegetable remains intact, however it merely has undergone the process of cooking, or as the one will say later on, pickling, in such a situation, is it still considered a shame pre? Is it still considered a pre ha'aretz? Is it still considered a peros ha'ilan? Or has it lost its status? If I say that it's still considered a pre, then it would still get the bracha of baripra eitz baripra adam. On the other hand, if it has changed its status, then it will no longer get the bracha of baripra eitz and baripra adam. Let's take a look at the sugya of trima. Trima is one one takes fruit and mashes them up. The Gemara on Laman Chesim Aleph, 38a, says as follows. If one took tamarim, if one took dates, and he made trima out of it, made some kind of a paste out of it, then the bracha that one makes remains bari priya 
My it retains its initial, its initial status. Rashi here says something very, very interesting. Rashi says, Rashi said, Trima Mahu, the shame Trima called Davara Katush Ktsat, the Musak. Trima is anything which is chopped a little bit, however, it's not totally, totally chopped up. The uh, Ra'ah is more explicit. The Ra'ah says as follows, Ushmanu mina, we hear from this, the time of Mishum de the reason that it retains its bracha of Bar is because it, it, it retains its initial status. However, if it was totally mashed up until it no longer has its Surah Sapri, then it would not have that bracha. Then the bracha would be Shakon As opposed to the Shita of the Ra'ah and Rashi, the Rambam seems to say that even if it was totally smashed up, the brach would remain bore pri ha'etz. The Rambam writes as follows, Tamarim shema'achan, dates which were smashed, v'hotzigar inim, and the, the pits were taken out, v'as'an kemo isa, and they were made into some kind of a dough, v'varach alein t'chila bore pri ha'etz, v'vesof shalosh, then the bracha rishona is bore pri and the bracha achrona is Allah eats Valpriya eats. When Rash when the Rambam says Kain eats Isa, it indicates that we're talking about something which is Marusakagami, was totally smashed up. And there and nevertheless the Rambam says that the Bracha is Bore Priha eats. Apparently, Rashi and the Rambam argue on whether smashing something up totally changes its status as a pre. According to Rashi and the Ra'ah, in order to, for it to be defined as a pre in East Suras Hapri. It has to have the tzura, the form of a pri. If it were totally smashed, then it no longer has the tzura of the pri, and therefore it also loses its bracha. The status has changed, because if it has, doesn't have the form of a pri, it is no longer defined as a pri. That's more or less what the Ra'a says explicitly. However, according to the Rambam, the tzura does not define it as a pri. In other words, it can be a pri even if it no longer has the form, as long as it is the pri even if it has changed its form, and now, before it was in a solid form, and now it's meshed up, and it's as if it's some kind of a dough-like form, nevertheless, the bracha remains bari pre'et. It has not lost its status, and therefore the bracha does not change. The halacha basically is like the Rambam. However, the Ramah is choshesh for the shita of Rashi. And therefore, if one has applesauce, for instance, which is very, very fine, one should make according to the Ramah, according to the Ramah one should make a shakon yabidvaro because a shakon yabidvaro he's yotzeh both shitas, both the shita of Rashi and as well as the shita of the Rambam. The Rambam would concede that if one made a shakon yabidvaro instead of bari pe'et, he's yotzeh. However, basically the halacha is like the Rambam. However, in order to be cautious, the Rambam suggests making a bracha of a shakon. Now, that solution will help us only regarding the bracha of Rishona. However, if we're dealing, for instance, with one of the Zayin Minim Shenishtavcha Bahen Eretz Yisrael. If one would take Tamarim dates and smash it up totally, regarding the Bracha Rishona, you can solve your problem with Shachkoni Abidvaro. However, regarding the Bracha Chona, you haven't solved your problem. Because if you say that it still retains its shame free, then the Bracha Chona should be Allah Eitzval Priya Eitz. And you're not Yotsu the Borna However, if it's lost its shame free, 
then the bracha chonah should be shakol, and one cannot be yotzei without a sapriyot. Since, as I said, the basic halacha is according to the Rambam, however, the Rambam is only choshesh for the Rashi, for the bracha rishona. Therefore, regarding the bracha chonah question, the halacha would be in accordance with the Rambam, that one should make an ala eitz, the al Up until this point, we only discussed the question of when a fruit or a vegetable loses its status as a fruit or a vegetable. Does cooking make it lose its status? Does smashing it up make it lose its status? However, there's also another criterion which is relevant. The Gemara on 38b, when it discusses cooking, quotes the following. Anything which begins with the bracha bar priyadama, if it was cooked, gets the bracha of shakon yavidvaro. However, a vegetable which initially has the bracha of shakon yavidvaro, shakon bari priyadama. In other words, the Gemara over here is saying that it depends on how the fruit is normally eaten. If it's normally eaten in its raw form, for instance, a tomato. If it's cooked, then it might lose its bracha, and the bracha that it would get is shakon yavidvaro. However, it's something which is normally eaten cooked, for instance, a potato. If one ate it raw, then it would get the bracha of bari pri ha'adama, and only upon being cooked would the bracha be shakon yavidvaro. What the Gemara has introduced is the criterion of derech achilaso. The question is not only whether it has a shame pre or doesn't have a shame pre. There's another issue as well. This pre, is it being eaten as the pre is normally eaten, or is it being, being eaten in, in, in an abnormal way? If it's eaten in an abnormal way, it's normally eaten raw and it was cooked, then the bracha might change as well. However, it's being eaten in a normal way, then it also, then, and it still retains its status as a fruit, then the bracha would be the birchos hafruit. Let's take a look at how the Rambam Hoskins this Gemara. The Rambam writes as follows, Perot o Yirakot, Shedarkan le'achel chayin, Im bishlan o shokan, V'varach aleim b'tchila shakol, V'vzofor b'ayin v'ashot. Fruit or vegetables that are normally eaten raw, if one cooked them, then one makes a shakol and b'ayin v'ashot. Then the Rambam continues, V'yirakot, Shedarkan le'achel shlukin, Greens which are normally eaten, cooked, im achlan chayim v'varach aleim b'tchila shakol. If one ate them raw, then one makes the bracha of shakol. Now what's very fascinating in the Rambam is that initially the Rambam talked about perot oirakot, that are normally eaten raw. If one cooked them, then the bracha is shakol. The parallel should have been perot oirakot, that are normally eaten cooked, if one ate them raw, the bracha is shakol. However, the Rambam here distinguished between these two different halachas. In the first halacha, he talked about peyrot or fruit or greens. While in the second halacha, he spoke only about greens. In order to appreciate the shita of the Rambam, let us recall that the, Gemara, the Mishnah itself on 35a, Laman Hamer Aleph, distinguished between peyrot, whether peyrot ha'ilan or peyrot ha'aretz, fruit and vegetables, and Yirakot. The Mishnah says, Aperot ha'aretz v'omer bori piyadama, v'ayirakot v'omer bori piyadama, Rabbi Yudah omer bori nejishayim. The Mishnah itself distinguished between these two different categories. And basically, we have two different different things totally. Perot ha'aretz are, are fruit. 
you have fruit of trees, and you have fruit of, of that, that grow in the ground as well. A tomato, a cucumber, those are fruit that grow in the ground. Botanically, they're defined as fruit. They're formed from flowers, and, and they're fruit. You have fruit that grows on trees, and you have fruit that grows in the ground. On the other hand, greens are basically leaves. Lettuce, um, scallions, um, cabbage, all those things are, are leaves. They're not fruit. Uh, the fact that one makes a bari priyadama on things that are not fruit is a tremendous chiddush. For instance, if one would eat leaves of a tree, one would not make bari priyadama. One would make bari priyadama. But if one eats leaves of the ground, one makes bari priyadama. The question is, what exactly does the term pre in this case mean? If we're not dealing with something which is botanically defined as a pre. Apparently, bari priyadama can be defined in one of two ways. Either bari priyadama could be defined as fruit of the ground, and that's specific to perot ha'adama, such as, such as tomatoes or, or cucumbers, as we mentioned before. That's one category. Al perot ha'adama, the bracha is bari priyadama. However, there's another way of defining pre. Pre also is, for instance, it says pre amaleni, the fruit of our labor. Pre can be produce, not necessarily fruit, but it can be defined as produce. Pre harechem. Somebody's child is called the fruit of one's womb. Now, it's something which is produce, it's not necessarily fruit in the botanical sense. So the, I, the term pre, when it refers to yurakot, or when it refers to roots, you know, for instance, a, a, a uh, carrot is a root, an onion is a root, or a bulb. It's not a pre. In, nevertheless, one makes a bari priyadama. If one eats a carrot, one makes a bari priyadama. If one eats lettuce, one makes a bari priyadama. All these things are produce of the ground, not fruit of the ground, but produce of the ground. That's one category of bari priyadama, produce of the ground. On the other hand, a, a cucumber or a tomato is fruit that grows in the ground. It doesn't grow on a tree, but it grows in the ground. If one would eat the leaf of a tree, one would not make a bari priyadama. That's a Gemara on 36a, Daflamid Bavamid Aleph. An entire sugya deals with salah. Uh, and there the Gemara says that if one eats the, the leaves, then one makes a bari priyadama. Why should one make a bari priyadama? It's not fruit of the ground, but it's produce of the ground. It's certainly not fruit of the tree. In order to get the brach of bari priyadama, it has to be fruit of the tree. It has to be fruit in a botanical sense. A leaf is not fruit, but nevertheless it's produce of the ground. And therefore, if one would eat a leaf of something that grows on a tree, the bracha would be bari priha adama. In other words, bari priha adama could be explained in two different ways. With respect to vegetables, it's fruit of the ground. However, with respect to lettuce or roots, it's produce of the ground. Based on the above, we can explain the Rambam. When the Rambam talks about peyrot o yirakot that have undergone change, that they're normally eaten raw, and one took them and cooked them, and therefore changed them, Therefore, their bracha is shakal, because they've been changed from their natural state, and they no longer get the bracha of pre. However, in the opposite case, if you talk about something which is normally eaten cooked, however, this particular person decided to eat them raw, so if you're talking about yurakos, yurakos, their whole shame pre is because these are things which are the produce, and therefore they're only when they're eaten in the normal way that they're eaten, this is the produce which is taken from the ground. 
when it's eaten in the way that it's normally eaten. However, if one takes something which is a pre in its natural state, and the reason that it's defined as a pre is because botanically it is a pre, and one eats it in its raw state, one is eating a pre. He hasn't shaved it yet, and therefore there's nothing that tarnishes its status as a pre. However, something which is a yerek, and it's not a pre objectively, it's only a pre because I, I treat it as produce of the ground, then it's only when I use it in the way that, that it's meant to be used, only then does it achieve its status as a pre. So if one would take payrolls and yerakos that are normally eaten raw, and one would change them, then it would lose its bracha of birchas hapri because it's been changed from, from its natural state, and it's also not the way this produce is normally used. However, in the opposite case, if one normally eats it cooked, however, this particular person eats it raw, then regarding yerakos, which gets a shame pre only because it's what it was grown for, it's produce, and it was grown for this purpose, it wasn't grown for the purpose of being eaten raw. And therefore, yerakos will get a bracha of a shako if it's eaten raw. And only when it's cooked does it get a bracha of a birchasapri. However, if one would take a vegetable, something which is a pre, because that's its natural state, it defines a pre objectively, and one eats it in its state as a pre, and it is still a pre, it has not been changed, then the bracha would be a bore pre ha'adama, or a bore pre ha'et, if one takes the case of a fruit of a tree. So in other words, the Ram distinguishes between these two different cases. And he says the shame pre can be tarnished if it's normally eaten raw, and then one cooked it. However, if it's the opposite case, that it's normally eaten, eaten, eaten cooked, and one eats it raw, then it depends on how exactly we're defining this as a pre. If we're defining this as a pre, because it is a pre, objectively, botanically, this is a pre, then even if it's raw, it's a pre. Nothing changes it from being a pre. And therefore, the brach would be bari pre'ets, even though it's not normally eaten in this way. However, if it's a pre, because this is produce of the ground, then its status as a pre is only because that's how it's, that's what it's being grown for. And it's not being grown to be eaten raw. It's being grown to be eaten cooked. And therefore, its status as produce of the ground is only realized upon being cooked. And when eaten raw, it is not defined as a prihadama, and therefore the bracha would be shakolia bidvaro. However, this distinction is a deep in the lashon of the Rambam. However, regarding sak and shochanarach, this distinction between yurakos and peros doesn't express itself, at least not in this particular way. You have been listening to Rav Yayakan, the Shir in Hilchot Barachot. Tomorrow's Shir will be given by myself, Ezra Bik, and will be the weekly Shir on problems in medieval philosophy. Today's Halacha Yomit, we take a break from our series on Kriyat Shema and Tefillah. Today is Tu B'Shvat. The normal Halachic ramification of Tu B'Shvat today is that we don't say Tachanun. Not saying Tachnun on Gippen days is, is merely a matter of Minak. There is no actual Gemara or clear definition of days you don't say Tachnun. The Minhag is not to say Tachnun on special days, and that's why there is argumentation in most shuls on given days whether one should say Tachnun or not. Like on Shabbat and Tachnun during the week, it's a sport for Jews to argue whether one should say Tachnun on different days. The Minhag, more or less, is not to say Tachnun on Tu because it's a special day. But there's no other specialness halachically for most people. The actual halachic significance of Tu which is Rosh Hashanah Ilanot, 
Machloket of Beit Shammai Beit Hillel, Beit Shammai says that it's on the first day of Shvat, Rosh Chodesh Shvat, and Beit Hillel says that it's on Tu B'Shvat. What is Rosh Chodesh Le'ilanot? The significance is for Hilchot HaTluyot Ba'aretz, for those agricultural laws that deal with fruits and vegetables. There is a significance to what year a fruit belongs to. The Hilchot Tumot Masot work on a seven-year cycle, the Shemitah cycle. And therefore, for different Halachot, you have to know what year produce belongs to. For instance, on Shemitah, you have certain Halachot, fruits that grew in Shemitah, they, they're considered to be fruits of the seventh year, have Hilchot, hilchot Shviyat, have Hilchot Shemitah. For in Tumot Masot as well, fruits of the first and second, fourth and fifth year, after you take Maaser and Truma, you then have Maser Shini. On the third and the sixth year, instead of Maser Shini, you have Maser Ani. And you have to know that when you're taking off Trumot or Maserot. You have to know whether you're taking Maser Shini, which has a certain halachot, or Maser Ani, which has different halachot. It should be given to, it should be given to Aniim. How do we know to what year a fruit belongs to? So the year is not the year that begins in Rosh Hashanah of Tishrei, or of Rosh Chodesh Nisan, which is also kind of Rosh Hashanah, but Rosh Hashanah Ilanot for fruits is Tetvav Be'Shvat, which the Gemara says the date when most of the rains of the year have already fallen. Most of the rains in Israel, where it rains only in the winter, most of the rains of the year have, generally speaking, fallen by that date, and that's the date of Rosh Hashanah Ilanot. That means that if a fruit appeared, came out before Tu B'Shvat, it belongs to the previous year. The previous year was the sixth year of the cycle, and this year is the seventh year of the cycle, so those fruits are sixth-year fruits. If the fruit appeared after Tu B'Shvat, it belongs to the seventh year. What does it mean a fruit appeared? The word is Chanita in, in, in Hebrew. It's not 100% clear. It doesn't mean a flower. It means the beginning of a fruit. After the flower falls off, you see the small, little, teeny fruit, that's Chanita. If that took place before Tu B'Shvat, it's the previous year. After Tu B'Shvat, it belongs to the next year. In actuality, being that it's in more or less the middle of the winter, beginning of February, the middle of February, there normally aren't any fruits which are coming out at this time. So that you don't actually have to stand with a stopper and watch the fruits come out the 14th of Shvat or the 15th of Shvat or the 16th of Shvat. There really aren't any fruits which are blossoming or appearing at this time, theoretically, perhaps, in a hothouse, or in a different climate. It might have significance. Even lemons, which do more or less come out the whole year, they don't come out now. I mean, I've never seen, at least on my lemon tree, I've never seen flowers in, uh, in the winter. But it's true, I have to pay attention, because in a few months, I will have large lemons, which belong to, they're already there now, they belong to the previous year, they belong to the year which uh, began in Tavshin Samachai. And I will have small lemons, which will start coming out, I think, in another month or two. By the size, I can usually tell the difference. The difference I'm looking for is before Tu B'Shvat or after Tu B'Shvat. Under some very, very special conditions, I've never heard of this, but under some very, very special conditions, I suppose it is possible to have fruits coming out in February, some before Tu B'Shvat and some after Tu B'Shvat. They'll more or less look the same, but some will belong to one year and others to another year. So the Lachai is very, very important for anyone engaged in agriculture, specifically in Eretz Yisrael, and that's the meaning, the source of the whole institution of Tu B'Shvat. Tu B'Shvat is first Mishnah in Rosh Hashanah is Rosh Hashanah Le'ilanot. At some point in the Middle Ages, the Minig arose of celebrating Tu B'Shvat by eating fruits which remind us of the fruits of Eretz Yisrael. 
they actually found the document in the Gniza, which means more or less the 10th century or perhaps earlier, which actually mentions the Minhag of eating fruits on Tu Bishvat. The Minhag seems to have disappeared. Uh, practically speaking, it was only recreated and reinstituted in the Kabbalistic circles in Svat in the 16th century. And from there, they derived the whole ceremony, a kind of Haggadah Tu Bishvat, of eating different fruits and drinking different wines, which has actually had a renaissance today in various families. I've never done it, and I've never seen it. What most Jews do, and this minute also only spread after the rise of the Kabbalistic circles of Tzvat, was to eat fruits which reminded one of Eretz Yisrael. Since there are no fruits in the winter, the minute became to eat dried fruits or nuts. The boxer that I mentioned in the beginning of today's program. Uh, today, dried fruits are available in enormous amounts, and frankly, there are also fresh fruits available. And not dry. We have apples that come out of the refrigerator, and I think and probably fruits which are more or less fresh, especially if they're imported. But the minute people look to eat uh, dried fruits, and the stores make a great deal of money selling an abundance of dried fruits on this day, you eat dried fruits on Tisha B'Av. Presumably the reason is to, in any event, feel a kesher to Eretz Israel. It's a bit ironic that even I live in Eretz Israel, almost all the dried fruits we eat are not even from Eretz Israel. Most of them come from Turkey or from other countries. And I think that probably in Russia a hundred years ago, the Bucks probably didn't come to Eretz Israel at all. But the very idea of eating fruits reminds one of the fact that Eretz Israel was specifically described as a land of fruits. Eretz Chita Usora Vegefen Utenav Rimon Eretz Zeit Shemen Udvash. In modern Israel, a, a different minhag arose, not necessarily in religious circles, but has spread all over of using Tu Bishvat as a day for planting trees. That's a totally different concept. This is a JNF Minag, but they've managed to convince uh, almost everybody to partake of it. And uh, it's not so necessarily so pleasant. Very often it's raining on Tu Bishvat. Apparently it's raining today in many sections of Israel. People make an effort, or youngsters usually, schools make an effort, being part of the reforestation of Israel, which is one of the Simanei HaGeula, at the hills of Yudah, the hills of the Galil, the hills of Eretz Yisrael, are bringing forth trees. And it is indeed very appropriate to celebrate the rebirth of Eretz Yisrael as a live place where Jews live by the planting of trees on Tu B'Shvat, Rosh Hashanah, Le'ilanot. That's it for today. Tomorrow's share will be in Jewish philosophy. This is Ezra Beck, wishing you a good day. And this was KMTT, Kimitzion Tetzei Torah, Udvar Hashem Yerushalayim.